Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. As always, I am Justin, and I am joined by... Moving Boxes Beth. Salami Sam. Arni, I'm Caleb. Hi, Caleb. I'm, I'm, I'm running low, guys. <laughs> There's so many languages. I was about to say, on languages you know specifically, I hope you're not running low on languages, TM. There's like 7,000 of them. I ran out of (laughs) real languages that I know, and I wanted to spice it up a little bit because I only have so many left, so I wanted to make the the last few special. Uh, So that was Quenya or Elvish, depending on who you ask. Very nice. Next time you should do Braille. I did I, I did sign language last episode. I don't think I can do Braille because that's the same bit twice in a row. <laughs> it's not in a row anymore, though. It's true. Next time I can do Braille. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today we have done the first half of part four of Hero of Ages. Uh, and things are... I can't say getting interesting because they were already pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, we're we're coming down to it now. Uh, hmm. There is increasingly less book left in this book. Uh, and there are <laughs> there are some things that we still very much need to see happen. Can I start off with kind of a hot take? You you sure oh can. So part four is called Beautiful Destroyer. And it's clearly a reference to Ruin. And we do learn a decent amount about Ruin in this this chunk of chapters and we'll probably learn more in the next chunk of chapters i'm learning more and more however that on average the title of each part they're very evocative and they sound very cool a lot of times they mean almost nothing why was it called broken skies because <laughs> there was a volcano at one point yeah it's a, uh, it's a mood at least it's a mood it's a very good mood but i for the first two books i kept trying to like guess the plot based on the part title and that was never it's never been an effective strategy yeah <laughs> uh save that thought until we get to uh stormlight where the part titles are uh literally lines of a poem and so have even less relevance to the the plot of the section uh because they also have to fit the poetic form right all right brandon uses up all of his flowery verse writing ability in these part titles and it's like does it fit eh, yeah it's cool though yeah sounds Print cool it. how many books are in stormlight that's a long ass poem uh there are going to be 10 they uh, will be conceptually two sets of five uh and each of those books has five parts they are the, the the poem is somewhat haiku like in that it is a, a like a collection of very short phrases it's a different poem for each book though right it's not one big poem yeah no it's okay. a different one anyways back to this book yeah no, yeah like <laughs> this uh the ending few sections of this book that we're barreling towards yeah we we set ourselves up in a pretty dramatic spot at the end of part three uh, and uh, this, and then the other part of part four, uh, we're gonna see. We're gonna see some dramatic things. Yeah. So we had uh, 
we had left off the uh, the end of of part three with a very dramatic reveal of uh, Vin's uh, fellow captive question mark uh, in the trap room in the trap house, uh, and she sees that it's Reen, and then we learn very shortly later that things are not what they seem, uh, and fortunately it's very shortly later because we are going to start the section immediately after the previous section ended, still with Vin. Which I'm, I'm glad for, because I was a little bit let down by the reveal. But you know what? I don't know. It's just like, it, instead of taking the crazy thing that he revealed and like continuing on and unpacking it a little bit more, he's like, this ties into the thing you already knew, that, you know, <laughs> Reen talks to her and Reen's ruined. Instead of like, hey, yeah, Reen lived his whole life as a ninja under Yeoman's tutelage or something. It makes sense. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying it's a little straightforward. <laughs> she does figure it out remarkably fast. I really thought it was going to be like a little plot line of can we trust Reen? <laughs> and then the reveal is no, because Reen is not Reen at all. But yeah, she, uh, it's about. One page in. <laughs> yeah. Does Reen, does Ruin say clever girl at any point or like a version of that? Or is he just like, yeah, you're going to figure it out anyway. I'm just taunting you. I think pretty, uh, pretty quick on, you know, we'll, we'll get into this. We've already started talking about it. Uh, yes. Ruin has, Ruin has decided that this is, this is the end of the world and all bets are off here uh and is just gonna lay it all out there or not all of it there's certainly things that have not yet happened but at this point ruin is i think slightly less concerned about being uh as hidden do we want to talk about the epigraph we just kind of jump past that real quick. yes i <laughs> i, I, I yeah. do want to mention that uh, uh at least before we go on uh, this is a, a continuation of the discussion of uh, the the ways that hemology works. Uh, and it notes that um, powers can be kind of boosted or augmented with hemology. Uh, where if you have someone like an Inquisitor who was already a Seeker, uh, and they then uh, are given the full set of Inquisitor spikes, which give them all of the Alimantic abilities again... Uh, their bronze will be that much more extra powerful because of it. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, a, a nice little uh, quick payoff for for our friend Caleb. Vin and the earring. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be I don't want to be insufferable about this, but Attack on Titan Brain fans were eating good today. I, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> God damn it. I'm gonna Attack break my Titan monitor. Brain fans, <laughs> is that just you reading, applauding yourself for? Yeah, it's right? just me. I, I, I am Attack on Titan <laughs> brain fans. <sighs> Gosh darn it! So going into uh, the chapter itself, we get to see how Vin is going to react to the the sudden appearance of her supposedly long dead brother, uh, which is not immediately trying to murder him, which is where she was immediately before seeing who it was. 
and there's a lot to go through here uh, as her immediate assumption or, or, or fairly quick assumption is that this is a Chandra who has has somehow found Reen's body uh, and is imitating him. And so she goes through, uh, I need to, to talk to Ten soon, it's very important, uh, goes the direct route and tries to uh, emotionally, or try, tries to use the, the emotional allomancy to, to take control of him, uh, and none of that gets anywhere. So then she tries to murder him. Yes. <laughs> and we all applaud her restraint. Uh, yes. It is also just very funny. Like, Justin, you mentioned Ruin is kind of laying a lot out on the table, but he does try to sell it, and he just is apparently very bad at it, which I find very funny. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, you know, if we end up being read about Kelsier, which I think uh, Sam and I are both pretty confident in at this point. Um fully able to to convince spook of what's going on um and vin is just like nope you're not my brother and he's like yes i am and she's like no you're a contra no i'm your i'm I'm your brother okay well if you're not my brother you're not a contra then i'm gonna kill you (laughs) i think that may just be a vin thing to be honest because like even she acknowledges that uh he looks correct He's even got like movements and gestures correct. She just she just immediately goes to this is not my brother. This is something trying to trick me, because she's suspicious of everyone and everything. She's also right, but his sad, sad eyes. <laughs> so I guess that's indication that if she can detect that something's wrong, she's either one suffering because it's really dark, or two. Uh, this was not always the case, but I wondered at w- whether or not Reen was always a ruin, like his whole life. Uh, like the the actual person Reen, or the the things that Vin has been remembering of of Reen. Well, I know the things that that she's been remembering. It's it's kind of revealed, like you know that that was ruin just messing with her but uh it's for a second i i fantasized about the idea that reen or ruin just fucked with her her entire life like from the moment that she was pierced in, in her ear it was just like hey i'm i'm your brother now <laughs> people are gonna betray you the world is shit so we do know that Killed lord reen, ruler like did actually physically exist at least because the inquisitors did track him down and murder him also because of all the physical beatings that Vin had to go through but yeah yeah but yeah that is uh we will we'll have some some questions to try to dig through on this for sure Mm -hmm. and this is another uh orsor tensoon moment as well because the voice in her head was Ruin and not Reen. Sure was. <laughs> so, you can now drop the act. <laughs> yeah, we uh we get to the during the, the very short fight, uh Vin realizes that there is uh there is alamancy involved here. Uh soon after that the uh the light goes out uh and she is now doing this completely 
elementically, just trying to to follow him purely with bronze, uh, and realizes that uh, she recognizes the the feeling here uh, and makes the connection to uh, the feeling that led her to the Well of Ascension, uh, at which point everything starts to click into place uh, and we we get uh, the the direct confirmation that this is Ruin himself, itself, uh, speaking directly to Vin here. And I'm going to say here, uh, I know all of us are reading the physical book and none of us are listening to the audiobook for this particular read-through. Um, I know Beth and I both have. Uh, I really like audiobooks. I really like this audiobook in particular. Uh, Michael Kramer, who narrates the Mistborn books, um, he has a, a a voice that he had done for Reen, for the things that, that Vin remembered of Reen. And he had a voice that he used for Ruin, uh, for the voice in Zane's head, and for the voice at the well. Uh, and on one of the, over the course of these few lines here, he goes from one to the other, and it is absolutely amazing to hear. It's so cool. Very nice. So yeah, if you are a Mistborn reader who has never given the audiobooks a listen, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I... Jumping back to what you were saying earlier, Sam, about it being sort of like, big reveal, and then immediately undo. It, it is structured a little funny to be like, Reen is alive. Never mind. Reen has been ruined all along to have those sort of like big reveals back to back. But one undoes the other, but the first one is the one that ends apart. I'm not sure how I would structure it. I think it is. I, I do agree it is a little strange right now. But I also think the end of this chapter is really cool. So <laughs> I don't know what I would do with that. That's that's why it was wild to me that we start with Vin. I feel like this might have. It, it is correct that like we never have Vin have time to process Reen is alive because she doesn't believe it. For, she believes it for like twenty seconds, but at the very least, like putting chapters in between to at least let the reader ponder exactly how that might have gone down. I think might have helped that moment feel a little less awkward. The fact that it's literally like two pages later. No, it's not Reen actually. That was I, I lied. I lied about that. Um, yeah, it feels it feels a little wacky, um, but also it does make for a very interesting story. I I I do I do like I'm intru- I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Uh, one other thing that we we get in this chapter is as Ruin has begun their um, kind of dramatic monologuing segment, uh, we get some motivation from this divine destructive godly force uh and obviously still remains to be seen how much of this is just like dramatic villainous gloating and how much of this is actually a thing that that it believes uh but it's it's talking a lot about how uh there is a there's a natural ending to pretty much everything you know things grow and then they die things are built and then they fall apart uh and that there is you know that's just part of the world and and there can be a beauty to it and it's not an evil thing and obviously from where vin is seeing this that's a a bit of a tough sell but it's uh you know maybe it's something for us to think about 
Yeah, as someone who has, for D&D purposes, built, like, a pantheon of gods and, and thought about like, how those gods would balance the world, it is kind of an interesting question of, like, I, I love, and this is kind of, this is not just me, this is classic D&D, and I think there's probably some real world, real world faiths like this, but the idea of, like, the god of death not being evil, it's just kind of like, this is, this is just how the world works. Um... It's just, yeah, I think it's a very interesting kind of notion to examine. So part of me wonders, like, will they actually defeat Bruin fully by the end of the book? Or will they just be able to, like, imprison him again? Because if there's no Bruin ever, then, yeah, maybe the world stagnates. Maybe that's not actually, you know, healthy for how the world works. But also, like... He's still super evil. I, I, you can just you can feel it. Um, so he's he's still got to go. Uh, but his philosophy here is, uh, I think, a really interesting one. So that is, yeah, with with the moment of the connection being made of, uh, the things that that Vin has thought and heard from Reen, uh, being in some way influenced by Ruin for a very very long time. Uh, that is where we will leave vin uh for a little bit we will we'll get back to her predicament later this this section uh but for a little bit we have to go see our other two cities and how those uh, those conflicts are going check in with the artoians exactly uh first our chapter 46 epigraph uh we are going to uh divert from the hemolurgic speculation uh, to talk a little bit more about ruin and preservation now, that that is perhaps the the more relevant point at hand, uh, and to talk about how some more about how ruin was imprisoned at the Well of Ascension, uh, and that it could not free itself uh, because of the the kind of opposite nature of ruin and the power in the well, which was of preservation. But that interacting with that power was a sort of unlocking that released Ruin into the world. Yeah, this was just kind of one where I was like, yeah, I'll take your word for it. That's fine. I'd Pretty just... much. <laughs> the words you said seem like they probably make sense. Yeah. When you when you put them all together in that order, I can read them and it, <laughs> they, make, they make a sentence. Right. I like your funny words, magic man. I mean, there, there's a bit of a, a, a hedging even in the epigraph itself, as our writer says, this is a thing even I had a problem understanding. It's like, okay, then I, th- then I don't have to either. <laughs> so don't worry, everyone. <laughs> it reminded me of how the Master Sword functions in Wind Waker. How you're like, gotta go get the Master Sword, need that to defeat Ganon. Oh no, we let him out. <laughs> I should go replay Wind Waker. You should. Everyone should. Hey, we had a lot of fun here today. (laughs) Yeah. Go replay Wind Waker. I was rewatching Wind Waker videos, and when I was done, I was like, I kind of just want to play it now. (laughs) So, uh, returning to the city of Urto, uh, Breeze begins our chapter with a very relevant question, uh, which is, does somebody want to speculate on how our team's spy ended up becoming a pseudo-religious vigilante freedom fighter? (laughs) <laughs> and Seized shook his head <laughs> <laughs> I mean we've seen some of that process but for for Seized and, and Breeze and the small crew here 
uh, it is perhaps a little shocking. <laughs> Poor dear little spook. He's grown up so fast. Into, into yes, uh, a pseudo-religious vigilante freedom fighter. <laughs> the perfect kind of growing Just up. Just yesterday, he was awkwardly giving Vin handkerchiefs, and now he's leaping two stories from burning buildings. But still ah, awkwardly yes. interacting with girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a point in this chapter where they say, we have a habit of ignoring Spook too much. And then they're like, anyways, we'll wait for him to get back and then ask no questions. <laughs> yeah. I also like the, uh, the, the little side note that... Uh, breeze has started ordering like luxurious meals to be made from the supplies that are down here uh but sazed notes that th there is a a literal like population's worth of food here and so breeze can have you know a couple fancy meals if he wants to and it probably won't be a big deal uh but yeah with the 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 dramatic uh place that we left uh, spook in last time there's going to be quite a bit more scrutiny on both him and also everyone related to Ellen and or the survivor so uh, this crew here is also now somewhat restricted in where they can go <laughs> this this section is a whole lot of apart from the last what the last chapter um, is a whole lot of chilling out in one spot mm -hmm. uh, including and especially chapter 48 which takes place entirely in a pitch black room yeah <laughs> um, figure out how to film that one so all of my notes are just like nebulous <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I wrote it's a very play like section of, of reading we had today yeah no I, I, I can see that I'm going to tangent briefly but remain within the Cosmere um, the uh, the first uh, the first story that um, Brandon sold the the movie rights for uh, or the option for at least in the last big round of of interest for that uh, was the the um, novella the Emperor's soul which we'll be reading fairly soon Um and is very, very good. Uh, but that was the one that got sold first, which confused Brandon slightly. A as he put it, the one that is 80% two characters talking to each other in a jail cell, that's the one that you, you want to make into a movie? <laughs> it's cheap. It's a bottle episode. <laughs> the The actual reasoning for it was that uh, the uh, production company that, that bought the option, uh, DMG, uh, which is a large uh, Chinese movie production company. Uh, they've done a lot of the China distribution of the MCU. Um, and they were looking for fantasy properties that could support uh, a largely Asian cast, of which the Emperor's Soul could. So that was the one they went to. But yeah, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, we have, uh, uh, we, we have this crew here trying to figure out what what has changed now with the dramatic revelations about spook uh i like breeze speculating about the the drama in particular uh and that he says that uh being a a vigilante rebel uh there is an element of drama to it 
uh, and that that he is Im- he is impressed by uh, Spook's choice to leap dramatically from a burning building, holding a, a small child who your enemy was attempting to burn to death. It has a flair to it. I feel like are we supposed to have intrinsically internalized the fact that Spook is hemallergically pierced and has pewter? Because it feels like we're being toyed with a lot here. <laughs> like, how, how did he survive such a fall? Could could he have put pads on the on the road and hidden beneath rocks? I think at this point we've moved on to um, dramatic irony, where okay. <laughs> we're we're going to have to f- watch these characters figure it out. And why hasn't Spook just told them yet? Yeah. Also, like. It's still, we have not been confirmed that's because he got pierced with a pewter sword and got a hemorrhagic spike, but like, we have read Kelsier saying, I've given you the power of pewter, and then we saw Spook use pewter. Like, that much we are supposed to be aware of in terms of how that happened. It, it's it's not been confirmed, but like... Yeah, there are, there are definitely, uh, there are a couple of, of theories that have been posited, um, Spook's pewter being one of them, where there's a pretty significant body of evidence at this point and and you two have made pretty firm declarations that you're just working with the assumption that this is correct at this point uh that i am not going to confirm or deny until it is like blatantly said on the page uh, but <laughs> you know you can you're you're not like completely in the wrong ballpark by saying i'm just going to say that this is correct my strong assumption. Yeah. So after the uh, discussion of what Spook has been up to, uh, Sazed returns to one of his tasks here, uh, which is that he has again resumed some of his uh, religious studies. Uh, in particular, he's uh, looking at the Nelazan people and their worship of Trell. Hey, Beth, it's Trell. Hey, it's Trell, isn't it? Yeah. Huh. Let's shelve that thought for a year and a half. Stop yeah, saying okay. that. <laughs> Good old Trell. The second time you've done that. And and I believe they were both about Trell. I think so, yeah. Yeah. We're just trying to recreate what it was like. <laughs> the sort of time scale we were working with, yeah. Yeah, what it was like when this became relevant again for us. Uh, but yeah, says it is is looking at this religion uh and um he it's one that he uh apparently quite likes because of their uh study of mathematics and also the stars uh but he is at this point in his studies he is frustrated by their their vagueness uh in that a lot of it uh seems to come down to ask trell and he will answer uh, and so he, he does not dismiss it outright, uh, but he 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 says that this is not quite the answer he's looking for if that's all that they're going to give. There was a little glimpse into Sazed's mindset here that maybe I, I read too much into or, or misread or what have you, but um, where he says... Uh, um, he could not be a keeper, could not share the knowledge he'd collected until he could sort the truth from the lies. 
Um, we already knew that he was looking like through the religions to find which religion was quote unquote true or correct or whatever. But it made me think like if you, if your career path was be Wikipedia <laughs> and people, and people fucked with your articles, it, it would mess me up too. It'd be like, what? What I wrote is not what. Yeah, I, you no, know, like, with uh, with ruin modifying the the etchings. Yeah, no, he he as a as a person and as a member of a larger group has staked his life on carrying this information, and so the possibility of it being of it being wrong is pretty fundamental. Yeah, as someone who's done some Wikipedia editing, the idea of someone being able to edit an article and there being no, like, track changes, like, record of it, terrifying. I hate that. I hate that a lot. Audits are important. I was going to say, I hate how much... I've read these books many times, and I hate that this Wikipedia-based metaphor... <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, yeah. Get it. <laughs> Professional Wikipedia. <laughs> that, that that hatred is not based on you making a good metaphor sam it's it's my own reliance on wikipedia <laughs> so we we depart from uh Sazed's musings here both on the religions of of Skadriel and on what has happened to spook uh with the question where was that boy and the answer is being creepy about a girl he's being a fuck boy <laughs> why you're so sad God damn it, Spook! Stop flirting with Beldra. I, I don't think we get the spray bottle. Don't worry, he'll stop real soon. I think this chapter here might be the peak, the the absolute pinnacle of Spook being weird with girls. Yeah, it is. Before we move on too much, there's one moment from Sazed in terms of Spook being weird with girls. It is also funny watching Sazed be like one of his most classic dad moments yet of. Spook's been acting really weird lately. Is it drugs? He's on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> drugs, perhaps? Learned it from watching you, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was a bad influence. I was telling you. I mean, let's be fair. Kelsey is a terrible influence. Oh, yeah. Especially now. Yeah, especially now. <laughs> But yes, uh, Spook has decided that the most important thing for him to be doing uh, is to go track down Beldra and flirt, question mark, try to convince her to come to their side, question mark. I, I don't know. Monologue at. Yeah, uh, Sam has, has summarized the checklist for us uh, in that uh, Beldra was not sad because of no flowers uh, or because of being excluded, but perhaps killed someone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Spook, you genius. Your deductive powers are unrivaled. I don't think this is going to be the case, but there's still part of me that hopes Beldra is just really good at playing the part of just like... I, I want her to see all of this weirdness and be like, okay, at least I can do something with this. Like if I if I can just like lead him along a little bit and make him think that maybe this is true, then I can do something. 
because yeah i kind of hate that he's just here and monologuing at her and she's just like why have you come to taunt me uh yeah yeah i don't yeah i don't love this scene <laughs> no there's a lot to not love <laughs> i'm going to start screaming in three heartbeats Ooh, <laughs> it's my kind of talk Kinky. yeah that's that's like a, an actual thing that that uh is a kind of a sane reaction to this scene here and then to her credit she does start screaming she does start screaming yeah, good good for her i wish she told him <laughs> to fuck off even harder as does does kelsier kelsier is in a very fine form here of uh you need to go kill quellian go kill him kill him now it's not a not a stabilizing element classic kelsier always screaming that was the, that was his main feature not smiling screaming if there's one thing that you knew for sure of kelsier it's that he was always in a, a mouth foaming rage <laughs> constantly <laughs> I'm just picturing their like sweet dinner scenes and we're doing like a sweeping shot around the table where they're all laughing. <laughs> and then it just gets to him foaming at the mouth. <laughs> it's it's half the same and half the opposite of uh happier and with your mouth open. Yeah. <laughs> Angry and with your mouth foaming. The, the planning scene <laughs> where the tone is exactly the same, but Kelsey's just like, all right, and then Ham's going to fucking go recruit more people. Marsh, if he ever fucking shows up, he's going to come here and he's going to have to be our fucking spy. He's going to have to go be a fucking obligator, but God damn it, we're going to get this fucking Lord Ruler overthrown, okay? <laughs> and everyone else is totally calm. They're just like, hmm, are you sure that Marsh will show? And what's with the girl? <laughs> She's fine! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, now that we've ruined all dramatic tension in this scene. Much uh, like ruined. ruined. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Caleb and I are on the same wavelength. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> We're taking over this podcast. There's nothing you can do about it. But yeah, I mean, that, that scene ends with Beldra following through on her threat to to start screaming and, and attract attention and spook just leaves. So uh, after we've seen the answer to Sazed's questions of where was that boy? Uh, now we return to Sazed, uh, and we get a, a moment that I really like where he gets to introspect about uh, Verakemi a little bit. He's, uh, he's going through here, his uh, collection of his metal mines uh, and kind of sorting them, he's cleaning them, uh, and and just going through them mentally. Uh, he's got you know, rings, bracelets, uh, all sorts of, of bits of jewelry. Some of them are for the various uh, physical attributes that we've seen him store. Uh, you know, he's he's got the 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 ten rings that he was wearing uh, when he had to try to fight Marsh last book. Uh, most significantly, he has his his four copper mines, these these large copper bracers, uh, and he talks or he thinks about the uh, the process of how that came to be, where he 
uh, he had the entire archive read to him uh, and memorized them all and stored them all. And now uh, the the religions in particular are the, the ones that he is is responsible for. Yeah, it doesn't happen until a bit later, but in this reading we also had like a, a another in-depth description of like Sazed looking through a table of contents and grabbing information and then writing it down. And I don't know, I you know, I was I was super hyped for the Farukami, uh, you know, the Marsh Sazed fight last book, but there is something kind of nice about like kind of getting back to the basics of like back when we thought this was kind of the only thing Farukami was about was just having the information and learning it um it's really it's, cool yeah it's like a it's a nice like yeah simple a, a return to simpler times a bit which is uh, given everything that's happening in this book just kind of a nice change of pace of just like a, a second of introspection like you said yeah it's nice uh, shortly after uh breeze turns up and we get some some conversation between these two uh who have have both ended up in a significantly different place from where we first met them uh through all that they've been through uh and this book in particular we've seen the two of them kind of paired up a lot and it's it's led to i think some really good talks between the two of them some really good scenes uh and this one breeze is is trying to kind of figure out what's going on how says is doing uh because he has been you know he, th- there was a time when he was uh, he had kind of abandoned his uh his copper mines and then He's brought them out for certain things. He doesn't wear them all the time. Uh, Breeze thinks that this is uh, because they remind him of of Tindwell. And uh, says it has to clarify that that's not actually directly uh, what has, has led him here. And that it goes back to uh, some of the scenes that we saw with Sazed in uh, Well of Ascension very briefly where he was he was doing the thing that the the keepers were meant to do he was going out into the world after the fall of the lord ruler uh to try to spread this knowledge back to the people and it just that plan just kind of didn't work the the people it wasn't what they needed they weren't interested they they didn't care and and that was what uh kind of knocked him out of of that train of thought for a while Larstaism? Listen, man, I don't even know how to farm. Right, like, I need food. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is sort of a, a Maslow's hierarchy of education here. Mm-hmm. Religion is pretty high up on the pyramid. But depending, I mean, you know, like, there's there's a foundational, like, grounding that religion can give you, but you don't need to know every religion. Says <laughs> it's right. I will say, though, it's kind of funny and sad that it's not religion, but like he talks about how things of museums and old libraries are not useful to people. And ironically, that kind of thing was kind of instrumental to defeating the Lord Ruler was Vin figuring out his history. Like that was absolutely mm. key to figuring out how to defeat him. That's true. Um, and yeah, there, there, I think there is, you know, you, I think there is value and knowledge in finding out more about the past um you know there's just a generic thing of like uh those who don't repeat the past doomed to repeat it that sort of thing but then like also on a very like direct level right in this series characters have gotten very important information from looking back into the past yeah no that's that's true and 
sees it has a, a a suite of religions that he still has to go through. He says there are maybe 50 left. Uh, and maybe there's something that he'll find there or something else in the metal mines that he could uh, make use of. And, and we see at least one practical sense of him making use to it, making use of it later, which I, I quite like to see. Uh, but yeah, no, maybe he could, uh, he could serve to, to take a kind of a more overall look at it. I feel like this is the first scene where, like, we've gotten a lot of scenes of Breeze trying to cheer says it up, but I feel like this is the first scene where he just sits down and is like, I'm going to ask you some questions and try to understand more of why you're feeling this way. And it doesn't quite work. A lot of it is, I don't get it. Yeah, you're just confused. But I I like that this, like, dynamic between the two of them is continuing to evolve and, and takes a slightly different tack here, because I always like their scenes. Yeah, I wrote down, I love Therapist Breeze. <laughs> yeah, this is great. He's, he's hanging in there with him as opposed to just kind of making a point and giving up like people have mostly done so far this book with Sazed. <laughs> yeah, he's not listening. Whatever. <laughs> if my therapist <laughs> Bree sighed, shaking his head, you don't make sense. If my therapist said that to me, I would be destroyed. But you could respond with Mistborn needn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and then hang up the call. <laughs> <laughs> And then an earthquake. <laughs> yeah. And then we get interrupted by an earthquake. And, uh, it, you know, it appears that that is literally just a small interruption and that nothing, no serious damage has been done. Uh, but shortly after that, uh, Spook has returned. And so uh, they they do have quite a bit to, to talk about in that regard there. Unfortunately, with... Uh, or unfortunately for Sazed and Breeze getting any answers about what the hell is going on with Spook, uh, he has plans that need to be uh, put into place and is doing so right now. Uh, so they, they definitely have something to do, uh, but they don't quite get uh, the the answers that they perhaps wanted. This is the first time in the book that a leader has ordered more than one person to do something. I wrote and down he's better, at, he's better at delegating than Ellen is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so good. And and then we, we pontificate. Do we, is that here or is that a different chapter? Where we pontificate on the nature of leadership. I think that's like chapter 49 or something. I think that yeah. is later. Yeah, we will we will get to right. that. So uh, we'll put yeah, a pin we, in that. There is a, there is a plan that is delegated here. Uh breeze is going to uh try to start disseminating some some rumors uh, about the fact that quellian has it has alamancers on his side uh and that he is is doing so by disappearing them during the the executions uh the the task that uh spook sets to to Sazed, uh is one that i just find really cool which is if the, the the water pool in this storage cavern was filled by the water source that should be filling the canals, and that's why the canals are dry, can we reverse it? Reverse whatever that change was 
and have the canals fill with water again. And uh, Sazed says that uh, there, you know, maybe there's there's something in in his metal mines, some knowledge of engineering as to how that could be done. Uh, and Spook says, "Okay, use it. Get that get that information and and do this for me." And after this uh, this burst of of delegation here, uh, it does attempt to ask the uh, the pertinent questions of what the hell is going on with you. Uh, <laughs> but at least for the moment, uh, Spook is going to uh, attempt to to dodge that question to put it off just a little bit longer. Uh, and says, I don't know if I can explain. Uh, I'm still trying to figure it out. For now, can you just trust me? So it all started a couple weeks ago when I was actively stabbed by a soldier. <laughs> Let me back up. I've been flaring tin for like a year and change now. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I was stabbed. Right. First wrecked my eyes or my brain, not totally sure. <laughs> then got a sword stuck in my shoulder. It's all gone from there. <laughs> Which seems to have made me better. <laughs> this, this stabbing me with a sword can fix me. Remember when Kelsey was trading Vin and he told her that, like, the one thing you should just never do? Yeah, I did that. And uh, so, yeah, now, like, fast forwarding, we got here. So, yeah, we we will... Uh, Sazed and, and Breeze will have to wait a little bit longer for their answers there. Uh, but there is a plan in place, uh, and Sazed is willing to at least uh, give give this a, a a real try. He's going to to take the information from his copper mines. Uh, he's not going to be preaching the the religions that he may or may not believe in. Uh, he's going to be trying to solve a concrete problem, uh, and and says, "I shall do as you request," and we'll see where that plan goes from there. Exactly what Sazed needed at exactly the moment he needed it. <laughs> to feel useful. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. I also identified what may be the next Maladroit, which is earlier in the book, I talked about how cool of a phrase it was that Sazed uh, was feeling traitorously apathetic. And towards the end of this chapter, his emotions had been so traitorous lately. So I am now keeping my eye out for how many times there are traitorous emotions in this book. We will have to take a look. Uh, heading to chapter 47 and back to the goings-on outside of Fadrex, uh, we have another epigraph that is uh, another kind of big chunk of, here's some metaphysical shit. This, this is how it works. You can understand that if you will. And I won't. The Mind Stone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he needs to find his, his body so that he can end the world in a heartbeat. It's hidden somewhere. Maybe on Vormir. Come on, Sam. That was the Soul Stone. Everybody knows that. See, I was going to go with the Mind Stone because that was the last one he found before he did the whole snap and everything, but Soul Stone fits it better because the Soul Stone was like, nobody knows where it is. Except for your daughter. It's perfect. Yeah, I never finished even that part of the MCU. <laughs> oh, man. Spoilers. I would say you don't have to keep watching. <laughs> like, the MCU, I feel like, has kind of run its course by this point. 
And anything beyond this is just kind of window dressing, especially with, with Kang turning out to be a total piece of shit, um, the human <laughs> being. Um, yeah, yeah that, was, I know. that was not fun. I was so excited for this arc, and then, oh, it, I, I'm just a trash human, and now you can't have me as a lead anymore. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan Majors. Anyways, come see The Flash in theaters this summer with our oh. incredibly unproblematic <laughs> lead performer. The movie's already shot, Caleb. What do you want him to do? Just abandon a movie with a crazy guy as the lead? The art director was like, the movie's so good, people are going to forget about what Ezra Miller did. It's like, fuck off. You can't just say that. <laughs> they, were, they were arrested for crimes. Multiple <laughs> times. Just, we should anyway. just edit Grant Gustin's face onto <laughs> Yeah, no, Miller's I'd be here for that. For I'm that here for that. whole movie. All right, should we return to chapter 47 here? Oh, yeah, that. Back to <laughs> Ellen in the Mists. Yes. Back to Ellen standing in a very dramatic fashion in the Mists. As played by Grant Gustin. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. that's I'm fine with that. Yeah. I said it, and then I'm... And Justin, what happens in the plot? <laughs> I can't keep thinking about Grant. I mean, nothing happens in the plot for like a page and a half. We we get some, some Ellen <laughs> introspection first, uh, which I guess the plot is that nothing is happening because it has been three entire days at this point. Uh, and Ellen is trying to stick with the plan of that Vin gave him of uh, don't come after me. I will... I will get myself out. You need to not like you need to maintain the the empire and your position and all that. But it's been 3 days since his wife was captured uh and he is is trying to figure out what to to do from here. Kill. I mean it's 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 an option. He's also brainstorming the mists a bit, and he it, it mentions how Ellen could sense it in the way she acted and the words she spoke that Vin didn't trust the mists anymore. Yeah, Ellen, do you think it was when she probably told you directly, I don't trust the mists anymore? Is that... <laughs> are those the subtle cues you're up picking up on? subtle context clues. Nothing Just gets like past those I keen mistborn senses. <laughs> but shortly after, he is, uh, he is joined by... Uh, set uh, whose first thought is is ham here no okay good which is great <laughs> uh, but uh, we will figure out where ham was because it, it does become a little significant uh, there are some fights in the camp uh, and that's not great for the the current circumstances they need to not be worrying about that but uh Set is is taking the kind of tragically pragmatic view here of at this point she must be dead. She it, it's been too long. We haven't heard anything. Uh, that's how this would probably go down and you need to you need to make plans considering that. Uh and Ellen is not willing to. Uh, he he's worried uh but he trusts that she is going to get out somehow. Uh, unfortunately, though, the, uh, the the pressures are starting to mount slightly uh, as, 
as they're going over the the logistics of it uh the the rations are starting to dwindle here uh, with luthadel in bad shape they can't really get the extended support that they would need uh, they've been going to to try to get supplies from the the local villages but that is starting to run dry uh, and so uh, the the clock is ticking one way or the other on taking some sort of action yeah it's uh Interesting, though maybe not surprising, that people in Yeoman's Domen are starving. You know, <laughs> we're focusing all of our 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 our, our attention on Fadric City to have fun and party and everything, while everybody else starves to death. I mean, it is kind of the most direct continuation of the Lord Ruler's Final Empire. So yeah, you, you have a point. Yeah. Uh, at this point. Uh, Set and Elland have a a discussion on on leadership uh, and on how uh, Set in in his uh, his kind of pessimistic ways that we've come to know him for uh, did not think that they actually like you would be a a way that could hold a a, a kingdom together, uh, <laughs> but says that you know it it. Uh, it actually has, you know, in this particular circumstance, with the end of the world looming, it it has an appeal to it of a leader that that you can respect and, and look up to. I do love the specific detail that some of the raiders felt so sorry for the villagers that they helped water the fields and do home repairs. It's literally the meme of the robber breaking into the house and going, shit, man, you live like this? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the the discussions there are cut short by uh, us returning to the thought of the the fights among the camp, uh, because there's a uh, there are, there are brawls starting to break out. Uh, Demo arrives on on the scene, which should help matter because he has some rank to wield there. Uh, until he gets dragged right into it when somebody decks him. And uh, then Elland has to kind of uh, very dramatically intervene. And uh, things are are pretty tense in the camp here. As as this scene kind of wraps up and leads into the fight scene, it's just very similar to Spook walking up to Sazed, who is reading, and then turning one of the lanterns down. We once more have a similar moment where it clarifies Elland hears something, thinks to himself, Set probably can't hear this, and without a word, just sprints off into the mists. And Set's just like, what the <laughs> hell was that? Set, who cannot even, of his own physical volition, follow him. Yeah, he's just stuck there. <laughs> we need to strike and take what we can from Patrick's, then retreat to Luthadel and try to hold it through the summer while our people grow crops. I, I didn't realize that was that controversial of an opinion, but all right. Ellen <laughs> Naruto runs away. <laughs> but yeah, the... The fight, this brawl here, as it turns out, uh, there's there's tension between uh, the the kind of broad base of the army and this group that have become known as the Mistfallen, the ones who had had uh, taken sick uh, for an extended period of time when everyone was sent out in the mists, uh, and there's there's talk of them being cursed, uh, of them being the the reason that that Vin was captured, the the reason why they're facing these problems now, 
and uh yeah it's it's not you know there there's no good time for this but especially right now this is this is a a significant problem to deal with in this camp can we talk about the fact that Bilg is still here? It's fucking Bilg! Bilg. What is Bilg doing? <laughs> Why does he keep punching Dimo in the face? I was going to say he's doing the same man? thing he's always done. <laughs> Hating Dimo, exactly. I know a lot of characters are named after Brandon's friends. Is there a guy Brandon hates named Bilg or something? He's just the worst every time he's on screen. Also, how small is this army that we just keep seeing Bilg? <laughs> I like that that his enemies get to be get, uh, like characters like Bilg, but Brandon's friends keep ending up as corpses on lawns <laughs> in their cameos. Demo's still up there. Yeah. Demo's still alive. He's doing good. Demo's named <laughs> after a friend. A friend who was just punched in the face. <laughs> Bye, Bilg. <laughs> oh yeah, he's not doing well. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Maybe we could just throw Bilg in jail. Demo, how many times do you need to be harangued by Bilg before you acknowledge he's just a shitty person? <laughs> it's time to move on. I mean, in some sense, that's what's going to happen. It's just by Ellen's command here. Like, no, Demo, your your, your misgivings are noted, but we're going to execute Bilg. Kelsier was right. He should have died the whole time. Yeah, if maybe if Kelsier had actually just stabbed him. <laughs> I hadn't thought about the parallels there. Like we mentioned, yeah, it's always Bill trying to punch Demo, but here we have again Demo standing up and saying, "No, Bill should not die," because that's exactly what happened in is, yeah. uh, Final Empires. Kelsier was trying to push it, and Demo was the one who like held onto the sword and made sure it didn't go through. Wild. <laughs> this narrative arc ends with Demo giving his life to save Bill, <laughs> and Bill just going nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Bill learns nothing. Oh, is that a fucking pipsqueak again who just died saving my life? I don't care. I could have taken that arrow, idiot. <laughs> idiot. Well, uh, we will see if the two of them <laughs> encounter each other again somehow. Uh, because uh, Ellen takes what... Uh, it's an action that he knows isn't isn't right for everyone and perhaps isn't right for the demo his his friend uh but maybe the right one for the entire army uh in that he he takes a, a very pragmatic opportunity here of uh we should uh support luthadel and penrod in some way we we should perhaps send some troops to uh to go support them uh Maybe about 300 or so, which is, of course... I don't know where I got that number from, but maybe that amount. (laughs) Exactly. The number of of Mistfallen in this army. uh, And Demo understands that that he and his compatriots, I guess, are are being dismissed. And and are are being uh, sent to where they will not be a, a cause of trouble. And even if this isn't their fault, it's it's the the decision that Ellen needs to make so that he can retain the larger bulk of his army here. It would be funny if Demo didn't pick up on that at all. It was like about three hundred should suffice, and Demo goes, "All right, cool." And he just picks three hundred random soldiers. Oh <laughs> no, Demo, Demo, Demo! Hey, 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 hey! It should. I be... was gonna take. 
I was gonna take Bill. Is that okay? Three hundred people. <laughs> Do you understand? Wink, wink. wink. <laughs> but yeah, with with that problem at least put out of mind, if not solved, uh, Ellen can can turn back to uh, Fadrick City itself, uh, and the the only option that he can can think of. Uh, is that they need to uh, they need to be more direct, more aggressive, uh, and that perhaps uh, the location of some some roving coloss bands that are out in the countryside could help turn that factor. And one more time, we will see uh, what happens to him. Uh, but for now, we will return to where we started this section of the other very relevant thing in Fadric City of Vin and Ruin in the cavern. And the scene with the best visual descriptions in the whole book. The most <laughs> beautiful scenery. Yeah, stunning, stunning cinematography opportunities here. I can't remember if I've told this exact anecdote on this podcast before. I know I've mentioned Irregular Webcomic, uh, which was shockingly regular in that it posted on a very strict schedule for like 10 years. Um, but it was, uh, it was not drawn. It was photographed. Uh, the, the author uh, built sets with Legos and little like plastic models and then would photograph the scenes and then put captions and speech bubbles on them. And there is a scene where a character is, is, trapped in some sort of cavern uh, where it is pitch black and he is by himself. And one of the comics uh, is just him alone before anything else happens. Uh, and it's just four entirely black panels. And in the, the news post below the comic, he, he, I don't know if he actually says that he did this, but he says that someone mentioned it that they wouldn't put it past him to actually set up the scene with his his Lego sets and then turn the lights off and shoot four completely black <laughs> photographs. That seems like something a, a particularly passionate director might to do is like, all right, everyone, we're going to set up to shoot in the caves today. We're going to get on location in the caves and turn all the lights off. Go. Mm-hmm. Look, it just gets a better performance out of the actors if they really feel like they're there. Cut, it's cha-cha turn. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's pitch black doesn't mean we can't see you, even though we can't. It's the feeling of it. This chapter is really cool because of how it describes Reen just flossing in the background of the entire chapter. <laughs> Oh yeah. Reen Fortnite. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, uh, as the second time this episode, we will very briefly touch on our epigraph here, uh, where uh, our our writer mentions that uh, once Ruin was kind of released into the world, uh, they were able to exert much more direct influence. Uh, some over the planet itself as the, the volcanoes and the earthquakes started to occur. 
and then also more control over uh, people and, and creatures as Ruin now had control over entire Colossus armies. Hmm. But yeah, then we we do have almost an entire chapter. We we, we do get some uh, uh, a little bit at the very end of Vin by herself in this cave. She is as as we now know accompanied by Ruin, uh, but even here she she's not interacting with him directly uh so yeah this is this is just a a time for vin to try to think about the situation that she's now in uh and and what they need to do about it uh yeah so some of the things that uh that vin does manage to 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 puzzle out here uh she does make the connection to zane and the voice that he heard uh, so there, there's something there. Uh, she realizes that there's there is something that is still stopping ruin, or else the world would just already be destroyed. Uh, and that there was some sort of imprisonment in the past, and so is is that something that could somehow be done again? Uh, unfortunately, uh, right now she is trapped in this cavern and can do nothing about any of these so we'll we'll have to see <laughs> what this leads to there's the uh the very practical concerns of uh food and water uh she apparently used uh the almost the last bit of her pewter uh to open up a couple of the cans of food down here uh and has been very slowly rationing that uh which is uh, tragically not the first time that she has dealt with a circumstance like this but uh is definitely a complicating factor she's pondering all this over she also makes the the thinks to herself about how the mists had started killing people some hours before vin had found her way to the well hey was why will no one listen to Sazed? The day mist killed people way before then. It, like it wasn't super common, but like guys, that happens. You can't keep saying that people died right before the well thing it happened for like a year before that. Yeah, that uh, that might be relevant. Uh, one thing that Vin did find, and we are perhaps also um, pleased to find, is the uh, the engraving from the Lord Ruler. Uh, which she has managed to uh, find by touch because the light's all gone. Uh, it would have taken forever to read this by touch. That would be really hard. I was thinking that too, like especially since it's like engraved into something. It's not like embossed out of something, right. if that makes sense. I feel like that'd be harder to get all those little details. Though I also guess she has a lot of free time. Mm -hmm. It's been days. <laughs> and what we have here is a I, I almost disturbingly uh, honest and open uh, note here from Rashek, uh, who has said that if, if anyone is reading this note, uh, then I'm dead. Uh, I failed because I did not find the answer to what we needed to do and 
I know that that I I need to find an answer because I you know I I've seen what happened what has happened I I know that there that my thoughts are being corrupted and but I don't know and that's a, a rough thing for Vin to be stuck with down there <laughs> Come to the next cache move to the next cache Welcome to the last cache. I failed. Nothing can stop it. GG. Yeah. <laughs> really, real, Lord Ruler is really leading people on for a lot of this if he knew this was the outcome. Kind of bearing the lead. Alternatively, a, a wild cold shot when making the first cache. Like, by the end of this, I'll have figured this out. Yeah, I, I <laughs> think that's what kidding. it was. Yeah, is it a cold shot if it was blatantly wrong? <laughs> a wildly attempted cold shot. Why can I not stop the rebellions? They cannot defeat me, and so I must order them slaughtered every time they rise up. What a good guy. Just misunderstood. He's, he, got, he got carried away, guys. <laughs> Actually, I don't think this could possibly be the Lord Ruler, because this says that he made mistakes, and we all know the Lord Ruler... <gasps> Has never made a mistake. He has never made never. a mistake. You're right, Caleb. He does say that he is God, though. So, you know, there's that element that's still there. <laughs> After a form, God. A phrase that me, I think I know what that... What, that's a phrase I'm not actually familiar with. After a form. What does that mean? Like, of a certain sort, I think. Okay, that's kind of how I interpreted it. C- Could have just said, kinda. <laughs> I am kinda God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm God, sorta. God-ish. God-adjacent. God-esque. But yeah, the uh, the the last bit uh, of it here, uh, Rashik does proclaim himself to be the Hero of Ages, which I don't know if we'd ever... We had seen Alendi proclaimed as the Hero of Ages uh, in, in his notebook. Uh, we... I guess we we knew that that was kind of the the mythology, but I think this is the first time that we have seen Rashik refer to himself with that title. And then we get the uh, frustratingly cryptic note uh, that this thing's power is not complete. Fortunately, I have hidden his body well. Bye. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Everything about the words on it seemed contrived to frustrate her. Samesies! I feel yeah. her there. But, uh, yeah, Vin is, her thoughts are also lingering on that, uh, that last line, uh, about, uh, uh, Ruin's body being hidden, hidden well. Uh, and she's, she's trying to figure something out, uh, and then hears a sound and realizes that the door is being opened. Who could it be? We will return to uh, to her one more time. Yeah. Uh, before we move on too much, um, I've just been kind of like, think this doesn't really belong in theory section. It's more just discussion. There's kind of an implication in this plate. Like he mentions like the, the, the uh, voice has been kind of messing with him. Um, and... I don't know if I, I'm worried that it's kind of implying Lord Ruler turned to evil because Ruin was influencing him. 
I, I suppose it could be more complimentary of just like he was dealing with this and also he was a bad dude. Um, but I, I hope that's not meant to be used as kind of an excuse for why he started with good intentions and then got evil over time. Um, that being said, it seems like his strategy was mostly, I hate this voice in my head, so I'm just going to do whatever makes it angriest. I kind of appreciate that strategy. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> Spite is a powerful motivator. I'm just going to annoy it as much as possible. To chapter 49, uh, our epigraph is talking again about the kind of mechanics of Ruin being imprisoned in the well. Uh, and if ha if how Ruin did have some control over the Inquisitors, couldn't they have just uh, freed him? Uh, and then the answer there being that uh, because the power is of preservation itself, uh, that uh, would a a hemologic construct uh, would not be able to interact with that, uh, and an inquisitor uh, who removes their their hemologic spikes would just die. So that would not be uh, a thing that would work. Interesting. Chapter forty nine itself begins. Uh, I really like this section where we see Engineer Sazed. Oh yeah, yeah this yeah. shit's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> where uh, he has he has really dug deep into the the archives of uh, his copper mines, uh, and is preparing to literally dig deep. In in fact, here uh, because he has gotten all of the kind of civil engineering expertise uh, that had accumulated over a thousand years uh, and ha is trying to figure out how to uh, re-divert the water stream back into the canals. Yeah, not only is it fun to see Sazed in this engineer mode, it also just made me very happy because I, the description we got of the water made it seem like there was a stagnant body of water above the city and then it just fell below the city. And the kind of like further explanation of no there's like a stream of water that's been diverted um makes way more sense so i love this chapter a because it's good saves content and b because it retroactively makes something better that i thought was kind of silly the first time it got introduced mm -hmm. <laughs> it just it this gives such a perfect vibe of says it being in just a perfect flow state right now mm -hmm. like uh, we just get flow. a page and a half of just working and ferrukemi-ing before we we pop back into a little bit of introspection it just it just feels right yeah i really like the uh the mechanical depiction of uh him working through this knowledge that it, that is in his his copper mind uh where uh, he he realizes that he needs to look some things up about water pressure. Uh, and so he does. He goes through the index. Uh, he finds a, a particular book that he that he has memorized. Uh, and it it does it just kind of like shifts in and out of his memory. Uh, he uh, he pulls that uh that knowledge into his mind gives it a good think over and then puts it back and then can't remember it anymore just like school <laughs> i mean you take your final exam and you forget the atomic weight of uranium 
and you just put <laughs> everything right back out. Is it 237? Uh, it's uh, 235 or 238, depending. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Uranium is one of the only ones that I know that for because it's relevant which one you have more of. <laughs> yeah, and, and not only is this a, a cool scene for us to, to watch... Uh, but it also seems to be good for Sazed. Uh Like you, you mentioned the, uh, the the mood that he gets in. He does get to just kind of devote himself to this, uh, and uh, he is he's interrupted by Breeze, who can see that it, it's going very well, uh, and you know, is is trying to encourage him. If we could pause for a second. Uh, Breeze didn't eat a cane to walk, just preferred to carry one to look more gentlemanly. Of all the Scott thieves Sazed had known, Breeze did by far the best job of imitating a nobleman. Correct me if I'm wrong, he is a nobleman, is he not? That's he been is. established. He is, and I no think Sazed knows that. Oh, does he? Sazed, well, Sazed knows his real name. Ladrian. Yeah, Sazed calls him Ladrian. Ladrian Studios. That's actually it, almost isn't it the yeah. conversation isn't it the conversation about his name that leads to the discovery that he is a noble it's a good question I, I perhaps um breeze has just been like passing himself off as a you know a a, a ladrian half-breed for a very long time or something like that but yeah i i thought that says knew but uh yeah the the two of them have uh a, a bit of a discussion here. Uh, Sazed goes way overboard on explaining the, the current project, uh, which I, I appreciate. Uh, and, and then he realizes halfway through that he's info dumping uh, and, and says, you're not interested in this, are you? And Breeze has the correct response, which is, even if I'm not, you're doing well and that's good. I love Therapist Breeze. It's great. Um, there's also, I might need to, I'm, I might ask for some control effing from you here, Justin. He mentions Fedre in the, uh, uh, in this info dump. I feel like we've heard that name before. I have no idea where, but that, that name felt like something I had seen before. Let me get a, take a look real quick. Similar to the dressmaker Feldu. Oh, that! Oh, God! It might be that. And his lad. And his lad. And his his lad. unnamed lad. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the only only reference. Damn it! God, dump it. Cut the whole thing. All Fed right, track. cut it all. Podcast canceled. He did have a nasty reputation, didn't he? That Lord Fedra. He sure did, but you know, he, he was an absolute genius when it came to canal architecture, and that's that's what's really the duality of man here. That is kind of funny that, like, these are the two things that Sazed knows about the guy is, you know, real jerk, really knew his canals. But, uh, yeah, the, the two of them have, have their talk. Uh, Sazed, because he is apparently not allowed to be happy, uh, feels guilty over the fact that he is happy uh, and and breeze has a an incredulous you're you feel guilty over studying <laughs> i do love this because vin went through the exact same thing vin has felt the exact feeling of 
for a while, I enjoyed things and I felt guilty because I'm not supposed to enjoy things. That's not okay for me to do. Um, and I don't know. There's a very interesting... I, I don't know if I'm totally on board with Spook being the leader of the Urto crew, but I love this idea that generation by generation, some of these characters are just learning the life lessons faster than the like older adults are. And the adults are kind of playing catch up in some regards. Um, I hmm. just think that's really interesting. Yeah, no, that's uh that's an interesting one. I like that. The mark of a good leader is knowing when to let other people lead. <laughs> Spook's got a great idea. He's got plans. You work with him to facilitate that. And you can still be the leader. You can still be the one responsible if everything goes tits up. But trust your people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, this is my leadership philosophy when I was leading things. Was um, kind of, to, to compare it most directly, like uh, the movie We Can Be Heroes from Netflix 2020. Um is that the it's, I think it's made by the Shark Boy and Lava Girl sequel. Yeah, it's like made by the Spy Kids people. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Robert Rodriguez. Hell yeah. I think so. I think it has the same exact visual look, at least. Uh, yes. But the gist of it is, it's one of those movies where every character has superpowers except for one, and she's like, "Why don't I have superpowers?" And, you know, like that. And instead of instead of doing the Hotel Transylvania 2 thing where she suddenly has powers at the end, um, her power is leading people <laughs> and recognizing that everybody's got their own thing to do and her thing happens to be she's really good at making sure that people work on the right things at the right time and coordinate them. Do that, Spook. Or says it. <laughs> Pedro Pascal is in this movie? Yeah, of course. Apparently, Hell Robert yes. Rodriguez is just, like, cool to work with. Friends Legitimately, with Legitimately, yeah, that's exactly what it is, is everyone's just like, yeah, I'll do a movie for Robert. <laughs> My favorite character from the Fast and Furious franchise is in this. Remember to subscribe <laughs> for more uh, discussion comparing, uh, we should, we would be here, what the fuck is the name of this movie? We, we could be heroes. We can. We, we can be, be heroes. We can be heroes. To the hit film Hotel Transylvania 2, which is what this podcast is about. Listen, have I have I have I done my Hotel Transylvania 2 rant yet? You have. Okay, I've, I still fucking hate that movie. God damn it! I'm so angry. <laughs> some of uh, some of Caleb and I's other friends have a uh, podcast ex- exclusively about cartoons, and they've done. An episode that features a whole Hotel Transylvania 2 rant. We should just send you over there and you could commiserate. Yes. We we could we can join forces to talk shit about how oh the <laughs> if I've ranted about it already then I'm not gonna recap my rant, but basically fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that movie. Go listen to Cartoon Time Machine. What are we reading? <laughs> Okay, yeah, we we are we're returning to um, Sazed and Breeze trying to figure out uh, how the two of them are doing, along with what Spook is doing. Yeah, one of the uh, looking at what part everyone is going to play in in this operation here in her toe. Uh, one thing that uh, Breeze has uh, apparently started to come around on uh, is. They had they had floated the plan of uh, 
can we overthrow Quellian like we did the Lord Ruler? And apparently the stumbling block there was we don't have Kelsier or someone in his place. Uh, and Breeze is, is starting to come around on... Spook is is no Kelsier, but he is he's doing some of the right things. And maybe there is a, a, a dramatic revolution to be staged here. Uh, led by a a particularly dramatic hero. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So they they do actually then get a chance to to talk with with Spook, uh, and it is still mostly talking about the the plans and what they're going to do in the city itself. Uh, but there there is some more kind of uh, introspection and deeper thought rather than just the the literal plan. We hear about how uh, Quellian had uh, had set themselves up in charge. Uh, on uh, he had he had ordered everyone out into the mists, saying that uh, uh, because the the survivor the survivor trusted the mists, and so the people should too, and anyone loyal to to the survivor and to him would not be harmed by the mists, and and started this whole big thing. Uh, and and made this kind of a mark of purity, uh, which then fed into the anti-nobility, uh, because uh, and this is a a detail that somewhat uh, is is shocking and and seems like something that should have been covered before. Uh, the nobility would wouldn't be uh, attacked by the mist in that way, which Caesar uh, definitely thinks is odd. Can I just say? I know he's been really busy. He's been doing a lot. But this is like the first information Spook has given that's like, all right, that's something that a spy figured out that we probably wouldn't have been able to figure out. Like, the initial rundown he gives all of them is stuff that they, like, basically learned the first time they talked to Quillian anyways. This is like the first information that's like, okay, we sent you here to be a spy. This is good spy information. Thank you for that. Yeah. No, that uh, that's some, some good spy in there. But uh, yeah, Spook's uh, most relevant uh, point of concern right now is that he thinks that they should have been attacked already and that it's suspicious that they're not. Uh, and he's been trying to, to make sure that they're not missing anything, but that does seem that's something that's standing out to him a lot. Uh, there's a, an inkling here of Sazed saying it's almost like he's burning pewter, uh, but Sazed is not a... Uh, a narrator who can jump between different POVs and has seen him burn pewter. So that will be mysterious for a little bit longer. Not the only time, like when, I'm pretty sure when Spook jumped out of that building, it, from Sazed's point of view, was like, he landed with the grace of a man burning pewter. Well, and and here Sazed does think, like, is this, like, this feels like pewter, but I... I was thinking about Pewter before, and maybe I'm just reading into this too much, because it's just Spook saying that he's not tired. So, maybe it's nothing? It's probably nothing. <laughs> Words that are always accompanied by it being something. Then Spook does an excellent job of dodging the question, because he goes, How about your st study, study stuff, says it, and says it's like, Oh yeah, study stuff, yeah! And says it is 100% distracted <laughs> there. Anyway, 
And I love the incredulity here of Cesar describing all the the supplies they have. And Breeze goes, food and water, I can understand. But blankets, timber, pulleys? I don't know why, but the, <laughs> the emphasis on pulleys, I, I just cracked up. I love that. My God. <laughs> There's mechanical pulleys. tools down here. <laughs> There's more. No. The water was an accident. The real, the real, the secret of the cash was the pulley. <laughs> it's just like an acre of pulleys. <laughs> Vital supplies. You get to like the engraving on it from the Lord Ruler. It's just like, all right, this is the fucking key to all of this, guys. All right, like focus all in on the pulleys. I swear this is going to help. This is how simple the machines full, work. Full Pepe Silvia rant about pulleys. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the pulleys. Can we talk about the pulleys, guys? Pulleys are the way. <laughs> With a long enough pulley, we can lift ruin out of the world. Scientifically, that has to be true. <laughs> yeah. We've said the word pulley too many times. It means nothing now. Yeah, I'm going to let us be interrupted by the same thing that interrupts them, uh, which is the arrival of Beldra. She's so into spook. <laughs> Please don't kill my brother. Can I just say from the outset for this scene, something that I love about it is because this is still from Sazed's perspective. And Sazed's looking at her and he describes her as being nervous, but also defiant. Not a single fucking time does he mention that her her eyes look sad or anything like that. Yes, because like, he's a I think sane, it's a rational person. Yes, it's all <laughs> spook's projection. I was getting to make some joke where I was like, Beldra is here, and she brought her sad eyes with her, but I couldn't even say that. <laughs> so, yeah, this this kicks off a whole kind of interesting back and forth uh, where you know, Beldra says, "You're I'm here because you're going to kill my brother. Uh, and Breeze tries to deny it, which does not work because Spook is standing there. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, it, it it kind of breaks down there where uh, Spook, Spook says, you know, she knows what we're here to do in one fashion or another. But yeah, she does seem to quite honestly be um, pleading on the, the case of her brother's life. Oh, Lord. Spook knows how to comport himself around the ladies. <laughs> I'm gonna kill your brother. Yeah, he uh he he's kinda set them up for this whole situation here. But uh yeah, shortly after they they get a chance to to separate their group and and figure out what they need to actually do about this. Uh Aurian doesn't like Beldra. Uh and there's uh some banter between Aurian and and Breeze. Uh, about uh, Orion's opinion on on other girls as part of the the goings on, Spook gets a a good line with uh, "Your pride isn't important right now," which I think Breeze needs to hear every once in a while, but he refuses to hear it because he says, "My pride is always important." <laughs> can we not? Can we not have the women just hate each other just because? It's can we not do that? Yeah, like it's. <laughs> It's mostly an all Rianne thing, I think, but also she's one of like three 
relevant female characters. So yeah, she <laughs> she provides like thirty to forty percent of the <laughs> female opinion. I was about to say, but Beth, this finally passes the Bechdel test, and I don't think it even does that actually. <laughs> I, I don't think so, because they're not talking to each they other. They don't talk to each other, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, there is a, a, a bit of a surprise here at the end, uh, because, uh, and Beldra actually realizes it, uh, which is that they are, they're going to take her captive, uh, because even though she did come to them, uh, it is the image is what matters, uh, and if they can, uh, if the the crew here can, uh, kind of can, can put out the uh, the message that uh, the citizen's own family, uh, his own sister, is is scared of what's happening, uh, and and came to them, then that's a, a pretty powerful message, uh, and so. That is, uh, that's what's going to happen. Uh, she is now, uh, stuck here with them. And, uh, we'll see what, what that does to the plan. Which, Alrian, because, because women, I get Breeze, I get, Sasin's really chill with taking a hostage all of a sudden. That, like, I know it's <laughs> war, but, like. Yeah, Sasa just hears this plan and is like, wow, Spook's so clever. What 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 a kid. <laughs> um and then there's also a really good moment that I didn't catch until the end of the chapter, uh maybe go, oh shit. Um, of Spook saying, I have a feeling you'd approve. If you were here actually, I suggest we do this very thing. A page earlier, Sasa notes that Spook cocks his head as if listening to something, which very heavily implies the idea to take her hostage in the first place came directly from Kelsier, which was a really neat little detail. Yeah, I love that. I Because the first time I heard that, or read that, Jesus, uh, I assumed his his super tin was catching something that no one else could mm-hmm. hear. But yeah, same. On rereading it, it's even more chilling. It is perhaps his super pewter that is uh, catching yeah. <laughs> something. So from there... Uh, Back to uh, Vin in the cavern, uh, briefly noting in our epigraph uh, about the the carefulness of Ruin's planning and how even this kind of vast destructive force was plotting very carefully the way that everything had to had to come together. Which I maybe we'll get more explanation on it. I do have questions about this. I understand in Well of Ascension, a lot of that was ruin influencing people and, and moving everything towards it. I don't know how ruin orchestrated the downfall of the Lord Ruler. I don't quite track that. Because looking back to Final Empire, we have the voice of Reen, who the entire time was like, don't trust Kelsier. Don't go with Kelsier. He'll betray you. Don't do that. Like, from what we can see... The only influence of Ruin in Final Empire was telling Vin not to do the thing that eventually led to overthrowing the Lord Ruler. So I don't quite know what the domino pieces are for Final Empire. Well, of Ascension makes sense. Final Empire, I don't quite, doesn't quite connect for me yet. Yeah, that's something that might need a, uh, a bit of a deeper dive when we have uh, perhaps more information, if we get it. I would like some more information. Well, we shall see. Isn't there something about ruin 
leading Kelsier to the eleventh medal. Oh uh, yeah, this? that I think that did get briefly mentioned. I don't know how that happened, but I think that did get suggested <laughs> or mentioned. Yeah, I remember because I was upset because I was like, well, that takes away from Kelsier being his own dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <coughs> also, <coughs> ah, sorry, so so excited. <laughs> I understand that Ruin is very clever and smart, but again, how the hell did Ruin know that the 11th medal, which just lets you see a past version of someone, would be like, that's gonna, that's gonna kill Lord Ruler. It's, they really lucked out that the 11th medal actually ended up being important. I, I don't know if I buy that all those domino pieces fell in exactly the way Ruin intended still. Yeah, it's a, a bit of a long shot there. Well, we'll, we'll see if we can get some, some more detail on that. Uh, what we also could use some more detail on is what is happening to Vin here uh, as there is now literally actually someone else in the cavern here. Uh, and Vin is has armed herself with the, the last of her vials. Uh, she has a coin to, to push against uh, and tries to, to make a run for it. Uh, she you know, uh, pushes herself out through the door. Uh, there is a there is one man down there with a lantern uh, who's going to be totally ignored for another 30 seconds or so uh, as she pushes herself up to the trap door and is still stuck there because the the trap door that she climbed down to get down here has also been been firmly shut and and weighed down. And the uh, the escape does not uh, does not end here, or it it ends here. It it does not end with her being being free. We also find out that she does have, or, or we reestablish she has daggers on her. Which I got a tangent. Do we want it, or should we just move on? It's not really relevant at all. It leads to nowhere. You've you've gone this Do far. It. Commit. <laughs> so my first thought was, okay, if she has knives. Why couldn't she open the cans? Because it's, it was firmly established that she, she had a lot of trouble opening any of the cans. And I have the trivia fact that cans got invented like 40 or 50 years before the can opener. And before then, they just they had to find other ways of opening the cans. And I was like, well, surely it was knives. But then I looked it up more and it turns out it was usually a hammer and chisel, which she still might have been able to like fashion uh, to, to open the cans but at first i was upset that she didn't use the knives to open the cans and then i realized maybe it actually wouldn't have been as effective as i thought so anyways <laughs> that led to nowhere as i promised two things here one that is the second time that we have discussed the invention of the can opener on this podcast oh is that why i have the trivia it's because you told me that already because <laughs> because sam told you yeah uh, yeah, thank you, Sam. Thank you for leading me down that useless rabbit hole and then me not attributing <laughs> you to giving me that knowledge in the first place. I apologize. Uh, the other thing is that I am assuming that, that Vin still has her glass knives, which would be particularly unsuited for punching into a can. Yeah, I suppose. Shout out to I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, where the characters have to travel a long journey to get to a can and then figure out they don't have a can opener to open it. Fucked up story. It's pretty fucked up. Uh, Am's fucked up. Very strange story. I think it's free online if you haven't read it yet, reader. It, it is. Listener. 
there's also a video game adaptation that's surprisingly good. I believe it was also written... The video game adaptation was done by the author of the story, I believe. Not only was it written by Harlan Ellison, he also voices the evil supercomputer in the video game, and he's great at it. It's awesome. <laughs> in any case... Anyways, the book. Yes, we... Uh, <laughs> Vin remains uh, in this, this cavern. Uh, Sam, do you wish to replay your prediction about who is, uh, is the, the one in this cavern? Because you you had oh. you, you had previously predicted, hey, what if Telden shows up? And it's Telden. And it's Telden. We got there. <laughs> it's it's our main man Bart. My main man Bart. The the guy who's just a guy. I don't even remember predicting that, but I'm all for it. You predicted it at the um, at the ball. Uh, you I remember you, you having you know what if Telden just shows up and then Telden showed up. Yeah. Well, and then you also guessed that Telden would be the Erto or the Fadric City Mistborn, and so then it was like, well, surely the Mistborn is the person that's in the the basement, and so we got there eventually. Telden's in the basement now. Yeah. Transitive property. Telden basement sounds like a plan. There's there's a plan here, uh, because it turns out that Telden has been sent down here to. Uh, negotiate of, of a sort uh with vin uh, it's a it's a pretty um it's a pretty brief negotiation uh the way that it works is that uh they they will not be releasing the the blockage from the trapdoor unless vin is is dealt with and that includes if she kills telden they they have prepared for that and there is uh briefly we think that there's going to be a setup of a um a, a princess bride uh battle of wits uh as th <laughs> there is both a a uh clean and drugged uh vial of wine brought out yeah and does does brandon acknowledge it this time because last time there was a princess pride reference you said he didn't say anything in the annotations uh i should check because it's been a few days since I've read this. I'm pretty sure the only reason he has a bottle that does not have any poison in it is to make the Princess Bride reference. That second bottle has no other purpose in this scene. Or just for him to drink. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose. Nope, he doesn't mention it. God damn it, Brandon. I see what you're doing. You can't hide from me. <laughs> I think you're so slick. It's no longer tell us your secrets, Brandon. It's we know your secrets, Brandon. Brandon. Admit your secrets, Brandon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is this is not a a battle of wits, uh, as Telden outright says. Uh, this is the drugged one. Here, here's the other one. I'm going to drink some of it because I can. Uh, and also points out that uh, Yeoman is at least enough of a gentleman to send him down with some good wine. So he's got that going for him. But uh, yeah, his uh, his goal is to persuade Vin to to drink the the drugged wine and and knock herself out. <laughs> and Vin has this whole thought process, but um, I like to imagine Telden just being like. My job is to make you drink the wine. <laughs> Five seconds passed. Vin took a cup and 
quaffed it and then passed out. It does not take long. <laughs> okay. It's all a thought experiment. P- pewter makes me resist. Da, 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 da. Meanwhile, Teldon's just sitting there like, okay, <laughs> I guess I guess we're moving on. <laughs> yeah. My work here is done. <laughs> Great job, Teldon. But yeah, they they go through this this whole back and forth of Vin trying to threaten, persuade, etc. And Teldon basically just sits back and says, none of it matters to me right now in this circumstance. Like, I, I am in a really bad place here, to be honest, between you and, <laughs> and Yeoman upstairs. So do whatever you want. And... It's a it's an argument that Vin can't really defeat in that fashion, uh, and so she tries her own technique, uh, which is uh, like Sam mentioned, pewter does offer a resistance to 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 toxins and things like that, uh, and so she thinks that that perhaps uh, pewter and duralumin uh, might manage to 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 burn through the effect of the drugs. Uh, and then she could then pretend to be affected by it long enough to to get out and then escape. And she tries it. She, you know, she uh, grabs the bottle, uh, takes a swig, uh, which Teldon is pretty amused by. Of you know, th- they said that you would you'd make a decision quick, but that you sure did. <laughs> And yeah, she she tries it. She uh, she has her last amount of pewter and duralumin from her her vials earlier. Uh, it it works for a little bit. The pewter is able to to counteract the drug, uh, but she runs out of metals. Uh, there's plenty more uh, of the sedative remaining, and she falls unconscious. And that's where that chapter ends. Yeah, I kind of love that moment because this is the counter to Attack on Titan character brain, which of course is completely separate from Attack on Titan brain. Right. Um, in <laughs> which the characters will just come up with guesses and then they'll just always be right. Um, I love this scene of Vin is Vin has a clever idea and it might work, and it's but it's a long shot, and then the long shot doesn't actually work. It's like slightly effective but yep. not enough. Um, rather than have the characters either figure out the solution immediately or just like not come up with anything the idea of here's a here's a plan ah crap that plan did not go the way i wanted um yeah i just really like that but yeah that is uh once again this section that at least what we see of vin in it ends in a uh, a very dramatic place and we'll have to pick up in our next section uh where she goes from here uh we have one final chapter here in the section uh one final epigraph uh, which is about how Ruin was starting to uh, spread his influence through the world uh, and uh, some discussion of how hemologic spikes would do that, uh, either through people who apparently already uh, had a, a somewhat looser grasp on reality uh, or people who he managed to get actual spikes into via Inquisitors and whatnot, like King Penrod. He said Penrod is a very good example, and I have a feeling the epigraphs will just conveniently not list any other examples, even though that might be very important information to know for us readers. 
We will have to see. I do appreciate that I've just been saying spike. I've just been using that as the verb, and apparently that's the official terminology. I thought it might be like a fancier vocabulary, but no, he just says he uses them to spike more stable people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our, our final chapter of the section is Ellen. We're going to see what uh, his plan was to, to uh, perhaps bolster his forces and then uh, do something decisive uh, to the city of Fadrex. And he is uh, he he is headed out uh, to to do his task. He's doing some some alimantic flying around. Uh, he I, I like that he notes that uh, again. Vin was very very good at this, and he he says you know, he hasn't quite gotten it down as as well as she did. Yeah, not quite up to the horseshoe trick. Not quite. Uh, but what he is, uh, what he's out here doing, uh, is he is finding uh, bands of Kolos that are out attacking the the villages in the countryside, uh, and he is he is first of all he's joining that those battles to try to to save the people from getting killed by the Kolos, uh, and so we get some some alimantic battling here, uh, which is this is I think the first time that we've seen. Uh, Ellen in this since the very beginning of the book so a, a return to that uh, his ultimate goal here is to reach the point where he can uh, take control of this Kolos force uh, he, he gets them in the, the emotional state necessary and then uh, uses his, his Alamancy uh, to, to add them to the, the Kolos that he controls this scene is grim it really is I was this scene is berserk as shit. This scene reminded me a lot of berserk. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like picturing this like big fight scene, like big frenetic music behind it, and then slowly the music just gets like slower and sadder while he's still fighting and fighting and fighting. Cause oof. He's not doing well. Yeah, this is it, it's an interesting scene in particular for, for Ellen to be in. Because we've we've seen Vin in you know, incredibly overwhelming, near hopeless fights, uh, and we we've seen the the motivations that have driven her in those. Uh, but now it's it's Ellen here with the additional weight on him of uh, of empire of the sake of the the people that he leads, and he even calls back to one of those Vin scenes specifically where she. You know, that one time what where she went and killed 300 men, sort of, sort of on a whim. Yeah. Uh, and and draws that direct parallel, which I'm glad it does, because I was, I was, that was, that was my putt prediction was, <laughs> this reminds me of that scene. It reminded Ellen of that time. And uh, the, the ending that we get here, he, he manages to, to, what he was expecting to happen was to draw out an Inquisitor fight the Inquisitor, and then take control of the Kolos. And without ever seeing the Inquisitor, he's he's left in this kind of state of, I don't know if it worked. Like, it seems like it worked, but I, I don't know if I can trust that. Uh, and so it's it's a, a little awkward and tense there. Uh, but he's he's got to keep going. He's He's got to continue the plan. Uh, but as he's he's leaving, we get this really interesting interaction with one of the people in the village that he uh, that he's now 
rescued uh where they they think that the lord ruler has come to to rescue them uh and all he can think is close enough and leaves ow the edge it's a little bit uh yeah it's uh it's, it's rough um I, it was established in the first chunk of the book that uh vin and ellen have to work together to take down an uh an inquisitor so yeah what headspace is ellen that that he's just like yeah i'm just gonna go out and do it myself it's concerning yeah no it, it is yeah this was uh you know making this a a, a break for us where we are ending our reading section here uh it's not as uh like it's not a singular dramatic moment like some of the other section breaks that we've had uh but it is a a rough place to stop from an emotional standpoint i'll 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 grant that yeah yeah i don't know it's uh kind of rough to to lead from there into our uh, our our concluding sections but yeah we do need to try to figure out where we go from here who's ed sheeran playing today came again <laughs> in flashback that one canal guy who was a jerk lord fondue or whatever fedra that's do, him do we have any uh casting updates uh i just had reen mm, that is a good point we do now we actually do have a uh a, a description mm-hmm. um so i picked uh dane dehan who I'm I'm good with. I'm good with that casting of Dane DeHaan as Reen. Okay. So that's it. Uh Caleb, I know you had uh had, had a Reen from, from before. Yeah, I'll stick with him, Aaron Dominguez. He works. Okay. It's only on screen for like twenty seconds, but that's fine. <laughs> right, before the lights go out. Yeah. Uh, and then just, I guess as a reminder, I had Olivier Richter's as Bilg. I didn't think that would end up being important, but worth noting that, I guess. <laughs> so you did. There it is on the on the list. Yep, and I had John Silver. There you go, yeah. Okay, mm. yeah. Uh, we've got, we've, we did episode nine today was the first half of, uh, of part four. Uh, our our next episode will be the remainder of part four. So we've got that. And then we have the finale. We've got part five, uh, which will be a whole three episodes. So there'll be a lot there. Uh, but yeah, what do we, what do we have left? We have, uh, we found out that the Lord Ruler did not have a plan. Uh, we, <laughs> we leave um, Vin and Ellen both in, in pretty rough places uh, Spook and the the crew in Artaud are perhaps doing a little bit better in that they seem to have uh, something concrete that they are are working on. Uh, a hostage. And then they also have a hostage. Good for them. Good for uh, them. And then uh, not appearing in this section, but still out there, uh, both Marsh and Tensoon. Tensoon. So. Uh, Sam, we traditionally start with uh, with you for these. Do you want to run down what you've uh, what you've got looking ahead, questions and possible answers? Sure, I'll, I'll I think mine are quick. 
I made mine um, after having angrily woken up to my alarm. <laughs> Good state to, to work in. I set my alarm for like 40 minutes before we started recording. And, uh, you know, listener, everybody's done this, right? Where you set an alarm and you wake up and your first thought of waking up is, oh my fucking God, I'm so angry. <laughs> Just for no reason. <laughs> Mood. Yeah, I had that a little bit. So, uh, anyway, um, yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, I think Caleb was right about the Vin earring hemallergy thing, and I'm mad that I didn't see it at that time. <laughs> um, Ruin can seemingly only talk to people who have been spiked, and the earring is a spike through the ear, so there you go. Um, as far as the the weird bit that we got about how nobles aren't affected um is it because maybe like 16 percent the just the number um is that the number of people who are ska in the world who get struck down i don't know but we know that uh the ska are made by the lord ruler in his whole machinations when he ascended um so I, I wonder if it's like a, a hatred of the Lord Ruler that preservation is attacking sixteen percent of people who are ska. I but don't there know. is there is some sort of actual difference there that's being tied to. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Obviously, there's there's something that's being targeted. Um, I don't know. I, I hope we get an answer as to why sixteen percent. I'm sure we will. Uh, let's see. Uh, Yeoman's plan. Um, I don't think he wants to take her hostage in a different way. Uh, if he did, he kind of already had everything all set. She was well and truly trapped previously. Um, so I think his plan here, um, kind of like when you find a, a large animal stuck in your house, you, you tranquilize it and before you remove it. You you get because it out so it doesn't hurt you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you put it in a cage in the middle of a field, and then you, with a string, lift up the top or whatever, let it free. Um, so I think that this is like just releasing Vin, but in a way that doesn't harm Yeoman. Right, that does not end up with him with two daggers in his chest. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. But we'll see. Obviously, we'll we'll see sooner rather than later. Um, uh, the crew in our tow is apparently going to take Beldra hostage. Uh, Quellian's going to take umbrage and strike in a way that surprises and overwhelms the crew. And they'll find themselves on the back foot. Uh, I think Spook's a little too big for his britches here. And he'll find that out, that he's in over his head a little bit. Um... I think now that Elend has the Coloss army and he's got Set's advice that the siege isn't working and needs to stop and he's got Vin being gone, missing, uh, I think he's going to march on Fadric City toot sweet uh, with his newfound Coloss army plus some extra folks uh, because he wants his woman back. Damn it. So we talked a lot in, in depth extensively about how Ruin can't read your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Uh but I think Ruin can read your thoughts if you're spiked. 
possibly. Uh, thus, why Reen commented on stuff that Vin thought, and why God commented on killing everyone to Zane. Um, and also why uh, Marsh is so afraid to take a stand. Because if you think I'm going to take a stand, you know, if if Ruin cannot read your thoughts, the only way he, he she, it, whatever, would be able to know uh, when you're disobeying is if you actually physically disobey. Right. But Marsh seems unwilling to even entertain the idea out of fear of being caught. So maybe, maybe, maybe that, um, I have a hole up, which, uh, I don't know if I've got a thing to tie it to yet, but I think it's an interesting thing to note that the Lord ruler was pierced with metal as well. That's true. Yeah. I don't know if it was, I don't know. Was it hemallergic metal or was it just, metal in his body i don't know is all pierced metal hemallergic i don't know um but interesting to see i'm sure that that's going to be explored a little bit more or if it's not then that's that'd be weird so we'll see um and my final bit of flair uh which is just random it's not a plot twist it's not a plot prediction it's just something that would be kind of cool to see I want to see Sazed block a sword blow with a copper bracer. That would I be cool. I think that might be a, nifty, I, be a nifty twist to the arc. I agree with you on that. So that's that's it for me. All right. Yeah, no, the the one in particular about uh, how much power does, does Ruin have over people who are spiked compared to just in general... That's one of those that could lead to some conclusions of people might be in more trouble than they realize. And I I like the, the point about how maybe Marsh knows this or feels it in some way. And that is why he's has he's been so careful and so like is waiting for for a moment still. All right. Uh Caleb, I know you had uh, you've got a, a thing or two that I think you are locking in on, uh, and I'm, I'm wondering if there's anything further or just a, a development of previous theory. Yeah, I got I got a couple of things. I'm going to start with the big one, which is that pulleys are the key to all this. It's all going to come down to the pulleys, guys. That's what, what this down. is all about. Right it's what's been leading to. <laughs> The real 16th medal is just whatever comprises the pulleys. It's just pulleys. Every question about the first two volumes of the Mistborn series will be answered by the pulleys. <laughs> um, so, yeah, besides that. Um, yeah, locking in the, the um, earring thing, I've just collected more of my evidence. Um, that first epigraph, here's one that didn't get, you know, we didn't talk about all that much, but I, I theorized that the earring also was kind of what gave Vin an extra boost that later pierced copper clouds. And then the first epigraph we got this section was, hey, did you know that if you're a misting and you get a, a, a spike, sometimes you can pierce copper clouds? Um, so that was interesting to me. Um, I also clocked Sam that uh, Lord Ruler had metal piercing him and the the plate in Fadrex City mentions that he heard Ruin's voice. So I feel like that's also something that was happening there. Um, just the specifics, uh, Ruin doesn't say, you've heard me in your mind ever since you were born. He specifically says, since your first years of life. 
Um, she wasn't born with the earring, but I think she was a baby when she when she got spiked. So that explains why that phrasing happened that way it is. Um, interesting that the mists seem to hate Vin now, but Ellen feels super comfy in them and, and still finds a lot of comfort in them. Ellen does not have any kind of spike in him, and Vin definitely does. Um, one of the epigraphs mentions that you have to remove any hemallergic spikes to use the uh, Well of Ascension. And like I noted last time, um, Vin had to take her earring off before it worked. Um, and then lastly, just kind of related, um, I've noted that we've only seen Kelsier and Reen, these, these iterations of Ruin, we've only really seen them indoors. So I'm wondering if they can't even appear um, in the mists. I think that that would be, I've kind of theorized on the whole that like Ruin is upset that there's a shield protecting the world. And I thought maybe that's in reference to the mists. Um, and I, I'm, I'm also locking that in um, because we have never seen any any iterations of Ruin within the mists themselves. He's always shown up indoors. Um, so that's all I've got in that area. Um, something that I hope is true because God, please let her be some kind of interesting character to some degree. I think it'd be <laughs> cool if Beldry is an Alamancer. Um, I think if Quillian is an Alamancer, I, it would make sense if, you know, if they're uh, brother sister that they, they have the same bloodline. So that would make sense. There's odds there at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also could be true and maybe even more interesting if Quellian is not an Alamancer. The only evidence we have of that is someone was messing with the metals during the fight in the city streets. Um, and Spook noted that Quellian seemed to be bracing against Beldry, and he just assumed, well, that means Quellian is the one that's messing with the swords. Um, could be interesting if it was actually Quellian was holding Beldry in place or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Um, minor theory that's not super plot related, just in terms of like book structure. Um, I feel like something important is going to happen in Luthadel at some point, and Marsh is no longer there. Would be cool if we got a Demo POV. We haven't gotten that before, but that could be interesting. So I kind of got my fingers crossed for that, since he's headed that direction. Um, a lot of discussion of what Ruin's, where Ruin's body is. Um, I don't really have any... Um, I have one guess that I'm not super confident in as to what the body is. We've seen that the Mist Spirit is basically made of mist. So, again... I you know, it could all be just kind of misleading to lead Vin along, but I wonder if, I still wonder if Ruin is really trying to get that adium. Um, and maybe in the same way that Mist is the body of the Mist Spirit, maybe Adium kind of is the body of Ruin in a weird way. I mean, it's like a weird god creature thing. So to say that as a conventional, like, normal flesh body, I feel like is, that should not be our first assumption. So maybe if there's, like, a, a big, large chunk of Adium, he can, like, gain more power by being in it. And that, in a way, is his quote-unquote body. Um, don't, don't, don't know 100% on that, but that could be the case. I'll put a bunch of question marks on that one. Yeah. Um, we kind of glossed over how the plate also has, like, right after I've hidden his body well, there's, like, a circle with a dot in the middle of it. Which means, in addition to the pulleys... Hydrogen is the key to all this, guys. It's all going to come down to hydrogen. That's the key to everything. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's hydrogen. But I feel like that little thing, it's always been a map. And instead of a map, it's a circle with a dot on it. So I feel like that's meant to indicate where the body is. It's supposed to be a very subtle hint. So I feel like it's either 
Luthadel, because that's kind of the center of everything, that's where the well is, it would be fucking wild if it's I've hidden his body well, and that's supposed to be like a pun that the body is right by the well. I don't think that's the case, but that'd be fucking <laughs> insane. Um, I think I actually, I have slight money on Luthadel. I would actually put more chips on the body is in Fadrix, and the circle with the dot is like you're here. You found right. it. I just can't actually directly tell you that you found it because I don't want Ruin to know that. Um, so I feel like that's what the secret of the fifth cache actually is, is that's where the body is. Um, I'm guessing that Yeoman actually didn't find anything in the cache. Um, whether or not the body is Adium, I feel like Yeoman actually didn't find anything. And also, Yeoman presumably has read that plate. So Yeoman probably knows the Lord Ruler was kind of a fraud, or at least like not as godly as he made himself out to be, which... It would be really interesting if, like, they piece that together and then they use that. It, it's clear that, like, engaging with Yeoman, the best way you can engage with him is with these political philosophical arguments. And if Ellen can get in there and say, hey, Lord Ruler was not God, was not godly at all, and you knew that, I feel like that would actually be... If, if there is an ideal scenario where Ellen can take this city without killing everybody that's the way to do it um because i think you can engage with yeoman on that political level if you have enough evidence to build against him and the fact that yeoman probably has read the thing in the cave is pretty good evidence i think to show that yeoman's continuation of the lord ruler's style of rule is not as valid as he claims it is um so yeah um i wrote about the thing about how nobles don't get sick uh i've noted alamancers don't seem to get sick. It's mentioned that Ska with Half-Blood can still be affected, but I don't know if we've seen anyone who's literally an Alamancer has ever gotten sick from the mists before. So wonder if that's the case or if maybe we just haven't gotten enough evidence to show that. I just have written in my notes, God damn it, Rashek, was, that, was this you? Because um, kind of in a similar vein to Sam, I feel like the Lord Ruler making a literal genetic difference between the noblemen and the uh, Ska is probably the cause of why noblemen are never affected, but Ska can be affected. Um, that's kind of what I'm assuming there. Um, and then two small ones. I feel like the it, uh, the hostage situation is not going to go as well as intended. I feel like Quellian is going to basically have a propaganda battle of no they took her hostage and it might have seemed like she went willingly but she didn't um because really all quillian has to do is in public say hey if she's there willingly can i see her and talk to her and if they if they just say no you're not allowed to even catch a glimpse of her that's a little sketchy um so i feel like the hostage plan might backfire a little bit um, and then lastly, pretty minor point, um, Ellen was wondering why an Inquisitor didn't show up on the last chunk of Coloss. And while the epigraphs also mentioned that now that Ruin is free, he can control Coloss armies. I'm guessing this was a chunk of, uh, of Ruin's boys. Ruin was directly controlling those ones. Um, and that's why there was no Inquisitor around. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Okay. I put, uh, let's see, your, your predictions include, uh, pulleys in spaced out italics and <laughs> atium with eight or nine I, I didn't actually count question marks after it good yeah i've been uh, really going at it with the uh the punctuation and the formatting on the the predictions here i might just have to like show you guys after we get to the end some of the things that i've i've written down i'm excited <laughs> to see that yeah yeah
and we can uh we can publish sam's like 300 pages of notes <laughs> yeah there's another book for you brandon yeah. add it to the pile so far this book i'm at 78 pages that's significant jesus all right uh yeah so uh our next episode will be the rest of part four that's chapters 52 through 58 uh bringing us all the way to the end of part four uh, and then setting up for one hell of a finale in three parts as we we do three more episodes to to do uh, all of part five and and finish our series. Oh man, exciting! It's exciting. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I know I am going to be uh, like I I get to enjoy rereading the section. Uh, doing this recording and then editing it and and putting it online and then it's like already looking forward to the next one so i'm gonna be uh gonna be excited for that uh, in the meantime i'm going to let everyone know that uh, our podcast is found on alwaysanotherpodcast.com uh, or wherever your podcast feeds filter down to you can uh, also message us at uh, contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. I've seen another couple of emails come in. Uh, this one explicitly pointing out something that will be asked after we have finished the book. Uh, so I will note that for later. In the meantime, though, as we are progressing through the book, you can also find us on Twitter at alwaysanotherpod, uh, as well as on Instagram at alwaysanotherpod, uh, as we uh, keep you up to date with each episode and the uh the process of thereof and some other entertaining tidbits in between other than that i think we will be adjourning for the evening either to sleep or to read more book or you know do whatever else you want to do i'm not in charge i like adjourning very businesslike yes this this business that we are conducting in a very organized fashion <laughs> well let Ham's gifts to us be blessed. Is Braille a language? <laughs> <laughs>